Let's uh, see if we can get all the donut munchers in. Help us praise the Lord on this beautiful day.
Our walk with God is like climbing a mountain, starting together at the base, ascending a lifelong journey to the summit. Base Camp is the place where expeditions begin. If you're new in your faith, new to Rimrock, or seeking new heights in your walk with Christ, join in the adventure, offered Sunday mornings in four-week sessions throughout the year casual and interactive. Feel free to jump in either Base Camp 1, What We Believe, Understanding Rimrock's Approach to Scripture, or Base Camp 2, Meeting the Locals, Understanding Rimrock's Vision. Base Camp, Sunday mornings at 9 at Rimrock. Hey, good morning. Um, just wanted to let you know that Base Camp is actually going on starting this week. And uh, it's just kind of a place, if you've never jumped in and taken that, it's an opportunity to kind of figure out what we believe and who we are. And so feel free to go even next week at 9 o'clock. And uh, ultimately, it gives you a picture of not only what we believe, but all the things going on here. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Next Sunday, uh, Lee and Amy are starting a new class on marriage. It's kind of about laughing to, about marriage. And I... I gotta ask them and just see if it's like they teach your wife to laugh at you or if it's, I don't know exactly, but it'll be. I'm not sure you have to teach that. Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of a natural thing, so I'm curious <laughs> what exactly it is, but that's starting next week. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to give you kind of a heads up of all the things going on this week. We'll talk about Easter here towards the end of the service. That was a blessing, so thank you all for that. But um, this Sunday, on Sunday nights, we have a study completing Christ. Uh, on, on Tuesdays, there's a ladies' study at lunch. Wednesday morning, there's eternal investments for the guys. A lot of the stuff is in your bulletin. Uh, we're studying Genesis in there. Wednesday night up here, there's things for the kids. There's things for the middle school. There's high school things going on in town. There's a worship team meets and prayer and practice. There's a prayer group. There's adult studies uh, covering everything from uh, classic Christianity to uh, just really studying the Word of God. There's all kinds of studies, even on parenting on Wednesday nights. Um, Thursday morning, there's a dad study. Thursday nights, uh, we have a uh, worship service at the Alex Johnson Hotel at 544. We're going to look at the attributes of God over the next couple weeks and uh, next couple months, probably. And so it's different music, different uh, study. And uh, Friday, there's a ladies' study up on the hill. So not that you should be involved in any of those or all of those, 
but just so you know, there's all kinds of things available to plug into. Uh, and I just, uh, if God puts something on your heart to do, feel free to join us in any one of those places. Um, next Saturday, we have a life lab on anger management. And, um, and so um, I'm sure none of us need that, but you maybe you know someone who does, okay? And you can send them. But it's free. It's up here at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday. And, uh, and Pat's... Uh, had to, you know, has had dealt with this for years and years and found, you know, we all have things we can be angry about. And life gives us all kinds of hits. And so the question is, do we deal effectively with it or are we uh, uh, kind of destroyed by it? And so I, I, it's a really good opportunity just to kind of come and hang out and, and catch some wisdom about that. Next Sunday is our annual meeting. Uh, after or April 21st is our annual meeting, so in a couple weeks as well after the service. So we got all those things going on. Uh, feel free to take advantage of some of them or none of them, uh, but just uh, search your heart for what God would have you do, and uh, just join me in prayer as we come this morning. Father, we, we thank you for the privilege of just gathering together as a family to worship you, and uh, we thank you for that, Father. Thanks that we can come this morning and just set aside all the things that we're dealing with, all the good things and the frustrating things. Uh, the victories and the defeats, the, the things we feel like we've really mastered life and the things where we feel like we're just totally messed up and we can never get it right. And we come this morning and we just stop and we just want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. We want to look to you. And we pray for this morning as, as this team leads us in worship that we would just, uh, just see the glory of God. As Pat shares your word, may you just anoint him with your spirit and your power. And God, we just pray that we're changed by your power this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say, Steve, don't take it personally, but it really made me mad that you were talking about anger. <laughs> my anger. It really makes me mad when you talk about my anger, bro. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well. Just kidding. <laughs> King of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come now. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. That's our prayer this morning, Lord. Come down.
Father, we do that today. We lay down every burden at the foot of the cross. Thank you. Taking punishment that we deserved upon yourself, God, so we could trade in our ashes for your beauty. Thank you, Lord.
long for you like a thirsty land, the word says. We are parched and we long for you to rain on us. And God, we pray for this region that you would actually bring physical rain and replenish our dry and thirsty land. Lord, we need that and we ask you for it, but we need it in each of our souls that you would rain on our parched souls and, and just, just fill us today, God. And thank you in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, it was fun last week, uh, Easter Sunday. I hope uh, those of you who made it down to the Performing Arts Center enjoyed it. It was good to do something a little bit different, but I have to be honest with you, I'm glad there's no stool, and uh, I don't have to be confined to one place. I like that. <laughs> But it was good. But, you know, we were talking this morning uh, in our staff prayer meeting that uh, it seems like it was a long time ago. I mean, I don't know about you, but it seemed like Easter was quite a while ago. Um, but it was last Sunday. And I got to thinking on the way over here for, as I walked across the parking lot that that's kind of basically what Satan would love to do is put that event at a distant memory where we lose focus, we lose sight of what happened on that Easter Sunday morning. What happened to us that day so long ago. And that's really, if you've been following where we've been in the book of Ephesians here, we've been basically looking at what Paul is now writing back to the church that he started in Ephesus. He's writing back and reaffirming, he's reemphasizing, he's reminding them of the important things. And where we've, we've kind of gone through what he uh, basically said by way of reminder, but he's getting to the nitty-gritty here in chapter 2, which is where we're going to pick back up here today in Ephesians chapter 2. But, you know, if you've been paying attention, last Sunday it seemed like, okay, we've got to take time out of what we're doing to celebrate this event. Uh, and that's not the case. That event is what Paul says we've been celebrating or we're to be celebrating. It, 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 it came at a perfect time in our series here, but just by way of reminder, remember where we've come from. We talked about how we were formerly, uh, we formerly walked according to the course of this world. We talked about that, that, that lazy river that just sucks us in and gets us to walk according to the course of the world without giving thought to God, just looking for our own way of getting our own needs met, independent of God. And it talks, he said, we, among them too, we formerly lived, formerly, because there's been a change to those who believe. And remember, he's writing here to Christians. He's not writing to Jewish Christians. He's writing to Gentile believers. He's writing to people who, uh, who this, this God of Israel was a foreign God to them. And Paul has introduced them to this God through the person of Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's writing to believers here. And he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, alienated from God, cut off from the life of God in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in, in Christ Jesus. 
And that's what we were focusing on last week, is the fact that those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, whom he knew beforehand would make, would would recognize him as the Savior and put their confidence in him and not in their flesh, he knew them from the beginning, and those he raised with him. When he came out of the grave, we came with him. When he took his life back up again in, in a union with the Father, when his, when his spirit was united with the spirit of the Father, we too were raised with him. And we are seated in the heavenly places with him. Now that kind of blows the circuitry of our mind because we're kind of locked into this time frame here where a day is 24 hours and we march through it one second at a time. But remember, time is nothing to God. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He knew what you were going to cost when he began building. He knew when you would would, uh, inhabit this earth and he knows when when you're going to leave. My... My aunt died uh, this past week, and I went down to her funeral in Nebraska, and, and uh, we went out to the cemetery, and they already had the headstone there. They had, when uh, my uncle had died, they, they ha- already had her name on it and her birth date, but they didn't have the end date. They didn't have her death. recorded on that stone yet. That's that parentheses of time that she got to live. And we all have that, and God already knows when our parentheses gets filled in. Time is nothing to him. We're seated with him in the heavenlies. We were raised with him, and we were changed. He goes on to say this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. This was all his doing. This is his life. We were raised with him, and we were changed by him. We were dead. We are alive. We were an old person worthy of condemnation, now we have a new nature. We're alive with the life of God, and we bear His image. We're seated with Him in the heavenly. We're surrounded by Him. That then should precipitate a change. If we are a new creation, then there should be a change. And Paul has gone to great lengths, and he does repeatedly in all of his epistles, pretty much, He goes to great length to make sure we understand this change. Not that we now owe God something so we work hard to try to pay Him back. That would put us back under this performance orientation of, of where our works are meaning something to God. And they don't. They don't. He doesn't want what we have to offer. He doesn't want the best of what we have to give. He wants all of us. And he wants us to trust him. He wants us to present ourselves to him as a, as a living vessel for him to express his life so that he's actually the one doing the work. That's Christianity. That's what people should see when they see us. Just as they saw the Father in Christ, they now can see the Father in us. They can see Christ in us, which is our hope of glory. There's nothing good about us apart from Him, but we're in Him and He is in us, and so they can see all of Him in us if we just present ourselves to Him. That's the point. That's what a Christian does. That's why he goes on to say in verse 10, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Those good works, which are now his works, as we present ourselves to him, he speaks to us, he inspires us, he leads us, and then when we exercise our faith in believing that he wants to do his work through us and that he can and will, when we present ourselves to him, he does. He empowers us to do the very thing that he's at work doing. They're his works. And they should be way different than the works that we formerly did in the energy and the effort of our own reasoning and our own flesh. Way different. And that's what he goes on here to say in verse 11. We come to one of those those funny things in Scripture that if we, if we don't take the time to study out what, they, what it means, we lose something. In verse 11 here, it says, Therefore, this is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Tom asked me a while back what I'm going to be preaching on, and I said, well, do you have any songs about circumcision? Uh, <laughs> So, uh, he didn't, and so, uh, so I'm on my own here. The circumcision, it's linked with a promise. It's tied to a covenant. People often wonder, well, what's this whole deal about circumcision? What, you know, what's, uh, what was the point? Well, the point is that it referred specifically to something. That rite of circumcision, the, the covenant that God is speaking of here, actually was made back in Genesis 17. Now, remember, prior to Abraham, there were no Hebrews. There was no nation of Israel. There were no Jews. Abraham was called out by God. He was just like everybody else, linked back to Noah, therefore linked back to Adam. Abraham was just a guy. But God called him out and said, I am going to make of you a nation. In fact, I'm going to make of you nations. And they will, the nation that I, I bring from you will be great, and kings will come from that nation. I am going to make you a new people. And that happens here in, in Genesis 17. This was when Abraham was 99 years old. God appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham." For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. God said, here's the deal. I will be God to you and your descendants after you. That's what God brings to this covenant. I'll be God to you. I will be your God. 
I will be personal with you. I will be God to you. I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all of the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of a covenant between me and you. And then he goes on to explain when and how, and then that's repeated again in, in Leviticus as he, as he reiterated it through Moses. It became, it became the thing, it became that I, the, the, the way the Hebrew people would be identified or set apart from the rest of the world. This wasn't a common practice of their day. But what God said is here, here's what I will bring to the covenant. I'll be God. Here's what I want you to bring. I want you to be marked as mine. That's what I want. I want for you to be set apart from the rest of the world. I want people to know you are different because of my being your God. That's what he wants. That's the covenant. And circumcision was a sign of that covenant. Remember in the scripture, the, you read about Gentiles and Jews. Gentiles and Jews. Gentile means an alien to the people of God. It's everybody who wasn't a Jew. It's everybody who was not a Hebrew. It was the uncircumcision is how it's referred to repeatedly in scriptures. Those with whom no covenant had been made. The sign of the covenant was circumcision. They were the people of God, and they would be set apart. They would be marked by something unique. But it was also something unseen. It wasn't a stamp on their head. It wasn't some outward showing. It was an inward thing. It was a private thing. But it would be known by the way that they lived their life. He was asking them to dedicate their life to him and to trust him. And of course, prior to Christ, all they had was the law. They had, they had the, I'll do the best I can, God, and they failed miserably. Because God didn't design us to live a life out of the best of our efforts for him. He designed us to live a life with him in a partnership with him, dedicated to him. And that's a decision made on the inside. It's something that requires a strength we don't have in and of ourselves. It requires a strength that only he can supply and he does to those who believe, to those who are alive with his life, to those who were raised from the dead that first Easter morning, raised with him, alive with him, now on this earth indwelt by him for him to do his work. That's who this covenant is and those people should be set apart. Part. It goes on to say in uh, Deuteronomy 10, it says, So circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That heart being the inner man. What God is after is something, a decision made on the inside that says, I'm yours. You have made a covenant with me. And I will declare that covenant by ridding myself of what 
I deem right, what I think is good and evil, and I will trust you wholeheartedly for what is good and evil. And I will present to you my body as a living sacrifice. I will choose to circumcise my heart, but God, you have to show me where to cut. You have to show me what is, what is unclean, what, what is not needed. Remember, the flesh was a picture of, of that which is worldly, okay? And so God used literal flesh in this practice of circumcision to remove literal flesh as, a, again, a metaphor. I talk a lot about these things because I, I love how God speaks to people. I love how he taught spiritual truths with physical examples, and this is yet another one of them. This is a, a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Circumcision was something that was done to the flesh. It was the removal of the flesh privately. Not something that would be seen by everybody. But because of their heritage, it would be known that they were circumcised. Because of their behavior, because of the way they lived their lives, people would know on the outside what was done on the inside. And that's what he's saying here. We've been circumcised by the removal of that old self, that Adamic nature that is now dead. And we're partakers of the new nature. And so now it's our discipline, it's our end of the covenant to present our bodies to God as truth bearers. People who are children of the Most High God, heirs of the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, people of his own possession, ambassadors of Christ. People should be able to tell by our external behavior what's happened on the inside. And it's not us cleaning up our act. It's us saying, God, I don't know where to cut. You tell me how to live. You got, I don't want to conform to some man-made set of standards. I don't want to conform to, to, a, to a, a bunch of standards that are written on tablets of stone. I want your word now written on my heart so that I can reveal your nature, your character who now dwells within me. That's the mark of a Christian. The evidence that something's changed on the inside. It's not just a change of behavior to please a different group of people. It's a change of behavior that is reflective of a change of mind. Back here in Ephesians 4, we're going to get to this probably in months, but, uh, but it says... Again, he's talking to these believers in Ephesus, and, he, and he's, he's talking about how the Gentiles walk in verse 17, the, the uncircumcision, those who are alienated from the life of God and are without hope because there's no, there's no wisdom and there's no power in what they do. But he says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. You circumcise the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We're to live out what's been put in. 
We're to live out the changes that have been made on the inside, being truthful to the presence of God who now is available in and through us for good works, which he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. That's awesome. We're now the circumcision. In Galatians 5, it says, For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. In Romans, it says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. You know what Jew means? We're familiar with the term Jew, the, the people referred to as Jews. But remember, the, the original term for the original Jews or Jewish people were those who were from the tribe of Judah. Judah happens to be the tribe from which Jesus came from. Remember, he's the lion of the, of the tribe of Judah. He's a descendant uh, uh, of Judah. Jesus was. And we're children, descendants of him. We're children of the Most High God. We're children of God, repeatedly referred to as such in the Scriptures. So we're in that lineage. Judah, the name Judah, I have a grandson named Judah, I will praise the Lord. That's the name of Judah. And those who were descendants of the tribe of Judah were called Jews, literally People of praise. People of praise. Later on, after the captivity, after Babylon, all those who were uh, uh, Hebrew, all of those from any of the tribes were referred to as Jews. But originally, it was those it, that were descendants, that were the descendants of the, the tribe of Judah. The people of of praise. And it says that a Jew is not one who is that outwardly, but inwardly. And he says that's what we are, people of praise, giving praise to the Lord Most High, the one who rose from the dead, physically rising from the dead to demonstrate he was already alive, quickened with the life of his Father, which he had given up on the cross to become our sin. Demonstrating now power and victory over sin. And you know what our works look like? If we're presenting our bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service of worship, if we are living the truth of who we are, people of praise, they're going to see a changed life. People will see a raised, a resurrected Jesus, now no longer slaves to sin, the bondage of sin has been broken, and we now have the ability to live a resurrected life, a new life, a life with power. So don't mark Easter off on the calendar as something we've been there, done that. I, I was sitting at my desk this morning and noticed I hadn't torn off the the calendar from last month, and there it was, March 31st, Easter. Ripped it off, and here's April, new month. But Easter doesn't go away. He's alive. We sang about it this morning, and it will forever be true. He is alive, and so are you. Let's live in the power 
of that life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Thank you that you live and you live in us. Thank you that we're people of praise and we want our life to reflect that praise. So, Father, I just pray that you would find us faithful to let you be you and let people see you, hear you, know you as they get to know us. Father, remind us constantly that we're people of praise. We're a new creation. We're your children. We're of your lineage. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing the chorus to how great is our God. We are people of praise, Father. We want to praise you this morning. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Amen. Let's sing that one more time, and Steve's going to come up. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Maybe seated for a sec. I wanted to first of all just thank you as we uh, close for uh, Easter. And I uh, didn't want to leave that. We want to thank you all for your service. It was awesome to see the body just serve. It went incredibly well. And uh, I think uh, that uh, it was amazing to just see what God did, the whole process of just uh, looking to him and seeing him glorified. I think if you came to the first service, I think Vicki has some clips here of the second service, you get a whole picture of it. If you came to the first service on Easter, you get a sense that we just had a kind of normal big uh, Rimrock service, which was sweet. But if you came to the second service, I think Jim counted, there was like 11 empty chairs. And, uh, and so we ended up with probably three or 400 more people on a Sunday than were here uh, on a Sunday last year that just got to hear the gospel and praise God for that and got to experience Rimrock Church. Praise God for that. So we were so blessed by that. I just want to thank those of you who gave up the pine trees and your Rimrock uh, church home for one week to go down and reach the community, uh, we did. And uh, who knows what God is doing and will do, but I trust he will be glorified and magnified. So we just want to praise uh, him with that and just want to thank you all for that. And uh, it was a good adventure. Uh, for those of you who are relatively new and you kind of want to catch up with any one of us on the staff, after the service we have uh, snacks back there with the staff. There's fruit and bagels or you can bring your own donut if you want. And uh, we're meeting right across the hallway here in that uh, little classroom there called The Gathering Place. And so I just invite you all uh, to, to stop over and catch up with any of the staff and ask any questions and just uh, give us a chance to say hi and, uh, and we'll get a chance to say hi to you. So if you'd just uh, please rise with me as we close the service. And uh, Father God, I just pray your blessing on each and every person here. May you just... Lift up your incredible countenance on them. May you just shower them with your grace and with your blessing. May each and every one here leave just with an incredible sense of how great you are and who you are. And uh, just be glorified through us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Enjoy the day, guys. <laughs>